we welcome you to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. We host multiple opportunities to learn more about the Arabian horse, and we share the breed for horse lovers of all ages. We Love Arabian Horses is sponsored by Markel, the insurance company with Horse Sense. To learn more about the We Love Arabian Horses Foundation, please visit our website at weloveArabianHorses.com. A quick note before we get started. My interview with Brian started in a very quiet expo hall and ended in a very loud expo hall. And while I did my best to normalize the amount of sound in the background, there is a little bit of background interference. So look forward to that. And thank you so much for listening. This is Austin Garrett with the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. With me today, I have Brian Merch. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you today? I am great today. We're here at the beautiful 2022 Scottsdale Arabian Horse Show, and I could not be more excited to be able to be sitting down with one of the legends of our industry, Brian Merch. You have been around since I was a wee one, uh, have, have known me and my family for a long time, and it's an honor to have you here. Thank you. We always start all of our interviews off the exact same way. Brian, what got you into Arabian Horses? So, to be honest with you, I was more or less born into the Arabian Horse industry. Um, everybody in my family was involved in it from my, from an early age. <clears throat> and, um, that was certainly, certainly was the beginning as I ventured through high school and, uh, was trying to decide what I was going to do with myself post high school. Um, I, um, like all of us came from the, from more or less the Lasma tree who were that time were the the Stokowskis of today's world and <clears throat> um, was trying to make the decision. I was actually in a position where I was possibly going to go to a teacher's college and uh, thought I wanted to be a phys ed teacher and spent the summer going with my dad to horse shows and um, had the chance to watch some clinics that Lasma had put on and symposiums and see them at the show and I don't know. I just kind of got the itch that I wanted to be a horse trainer, and and uh, that's kind of what got the whole thing started. So you mentioned both born into it and spent time in in the Lasma space, uh, as as a lot of our our great leaders right now have. Um, what brought you into kind of the the Lasma uh, orbit? Um. Well, so. Um, they, um, my dad, needless to say, was a horse trainer for many years in California. And, you know, we would come out here and he would come out here and show a lot. Um, he actually worked for Ganey Arabians. And, <clears throat> and then a couple of the other farms that he worked for, um, um, would actually go to some of the Lasma sales and, um, you know, purchase horses. Um, etc. And he was he was just a you know a huge believer in in what they had going on. And if it was a situation that this is what I wanted to do, he felt like that was the place for me to go get the education that I needed. And um, was fortunate enough. Um, I think it was January of 1980 to through his connection with them, I was fortunate enough to be able to go out there and and um, get a job right in the Scottsdale time frame of the sales, the show, etc. All of the things that 
uh, we look back on fondly, and you got to be right there in the thick of it, and that's pretty darn cool. It was definitely a great time. I love it. Yeah. You mentioned that you were kind of born into it, and your family and extended family is pretty darn involved in the current Arabian horse space. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So um, when my dad actually began at an early age, um, or not at an early age, um, I really don't know exactly how old he was when he decided he wanted to start training horses, but um, we were living in Maine at the time, and um, my dad started pulling. Um, we converted a dairy barn into a training or a horse barn and had boarders and a lesson program. And my dad started dabbling um, with training a few horses. And one of the first um, people that I think that he really got a, a great education with was, was Stanley White Sr., who at the time was was um, at Almar Arabians in Maryland. And my dad would go there periodically and, and spend time with him and learn and so on and so forth. And that kind of was the beginning of... of um, his connection to it. Um, from there, he um, had several jobs in the Arabian horse business at various farms in Michigan, Rancho Menage Arabia, uh, Farms, and then Ganey Arabians in California, and then <clears throat> another farm down in Florida by the name of Notaroma Farms. So at that point, it was, you know, it was a, the whole family was involved. My brother was training horses, um, who later went on to be a, a, um, a horseshoer, and my sister was doing it as well, who later married um, S- Stanley White Jr., um, and there had had their son, um, Stanley White III, who everybody knows as Triple Sticks. Triple Sticks. Um, so it's a, you know, it was a, a family affair that my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, uh, my other brother Stephen as well, at some point were all involved in, in, in the horse industry. Well, that's really interesting. And what strikes me the most is when I think of you in particular, I most closely associate you with English horses and things like that. And when I think about uh, Triple Stick or Stan White Jr., um, I, didn't have, uh, I didn't have the pleasure of knowing uh, Stan White Sr., but when I think of those folks, I tend to think more Western horses. Now, I know that that's less true of Stan White Jr. than it is of Triple Sticks. But um, how, did, how do you address kind of the, the difference between the, the, the two trees, I'll, I'll put it? So, you know, first of all, it's just starting with Stan White Sr. I mean, he, um, he rode many, um, I'm not, I don't know how many, but he rode national champion English horses. He was... And during his time was as versatile as probably anybody I've ever known. And, you know, there was a day and time when when that's the way it was. You didn't, you weren't so much specialized as Western or English or Halter. You kind of did it all. And um, through time and evolution, that's changed uh, to some degree. And not that there's not still a lot of people that don't still do all of it. But um, certainly there's a lot of people that are specialized. Um, and what I would say in terms of Stan Jr. and uh, 
Stanley the Third is that if if so be it, and Stan Junior, needless to say, has won quite a bit with English horses, but they could do if they can train a Western horse as good as they can train a Western horse, I guarantee you that they could train an English horse as good as all of us out there. I think that sound training is sound training regardless of the discipline. Exactly. Right? Um, it's just a matter of what you're asking them to do. Exactly. Um I think that's really interesting, and this is not something that we had talked about talking about, but I wonder what are your thoughts on kind of the specialization? We've gotten very narrow in the way that, that folks are looking at horses, right? Folks most commonly associate me as a halter guy. Um, they look at you and say, that's an English guy. Yeah. Um, you know, they look at Stanley White the Third and they say, that's a Western guy. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's some qualities that are admirable there, right? You know, jack of many trades, master of none versus being super good at this one thing. Um, but what do you think that it means for the industry, for trainers as a whole, with that level of specialization? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a, a negative thing? I So I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. But what I will tell you is, and this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, is that <clears throat> I think we've gotten a little bit too divided. And maybe not so much with the, the Western and the English, but there was a day and time... Um, when I was, um, you know, early on, you know, and I'm going to say it's changed over the, the last seven to ten years, but there was a day, a time when the halter was a big part of what we did. And, I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but U.S. Nationals and even here at Scottsdale, um, with everything that's going on, um, it's just not the case anymore. Um, very seldom at Nationals do we even get to go over and see a lot of the halter classes. <clears throat> and I think it, we're, we're doing ourselves uh, a disservice to not have it the way it used to be because I think that <clears throat> we all have so much to gain by it all being together and us being a part of the halter thing and knowing what's going on. And, um, you know, so many clients used to, to do both, the halter, the performance, and, um, and I know a lot of halt horses still do performance, but there was a day and time when, when they all did. In my mind, so I was always raised to think of halter is the base where we say this horse has a great confirmation and they're going to be able to go do something with it. Um, and I feel very much more these days, it's much more focused to that's a very pretty thing that we'll never be able to ride, yeah. um, which is a big pet peeve of mine. Um, but I think that when we have the separation, right, and, and for those listening that don't have a great idea of the layout of the U.S. Nationals or the Scottsdale show, the halter happens in a completely different arena at U.S. Nationals uh, and with very few exceptions is never in the same arena as performance horses. Um, at Scottsdale, it's a little bit of both, right? Where uh, the outdoor Wendell Arena is, uh, you know, one of my favorite arenas to show in and typically other folks as well. Uh, but most of the performance action happens in the Equidome, which is on the other side of the fairgrounds. And it's the same idea of we have two separate worlds with a, with what should be the same pool of horses, in my mind. <laughs> um, I, I agree with that. And but I, I'm going to take it a step further. I have had the opportunity to judge 
this show either three or four times. And um, I can tell you on Sunday morning when you judge the halter here and you walk the front and back lines of those championship classes, it literally makes your hair stand up on the back of your neck. Um, but there's there's certainly no reason why it can't be worked to where um, they are both a bigger part of each other again. So, yeah. And I think that that's definitely something that we can all strive for. But I took us a little bit off topic there, and I appreciate you... Uh, I appreciate you entertaining my my personal flight of fancy. Um, these days, you are primarily associated with the Strawberry Banks Farm, right? Um, can you tell me how you got involved there and, and sure. a little bit about the program? So, um, I am uh, have been associated with Strawberry Banks for 21 years. Um, I, I say it as I have spent 21 winters in Buffalo. But I, um, needless to say, um, spent 18 years in California and was kind of at a little bit of a crossroad in California trying to decide what I wanted to do next and was fortunate enough. Um, um, and I knew the cores from the Lasma days and I knew um, what their breeding program was all about. Um, but actually through Greg Knowles was able to get a connection with them and, and they had built this beautiful facility in uh, East Aurora, New York and were looking for a trainer to come in there and it was, it was really perfect timing for both of us. And um, that's how it all started and um, probably you, know, you would open up those magazines and um, between... Erica and Tempter and needless to say a temptation who at the time was was shown um, superbly by Tim Shea and you just saw what they were what they were trying to do with their breeding program and it was just something that um, I was so excited to to have the opportunity to, to go to work for them. yeah and those horses have had an immense impact on the show pen up through today um, and especially I associate some of those horses with you as well, right? And one of the more recent ones that you didn't mention, including Boscafire, um, who was a super special horse, I thought, um, and had the opportunity to see at this show, uh, some years ago, but, um, that is really cool. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about what the vision of the program is like what is what is the ideal horse that's coming out of the Kerberry program so um they believe um strongly in horses that are um not only pretty but athletic and they have strived for that when i think of a strawberry banks horse um long before me um I would think of a big expressive eye, pretty ears, beautiful tail carriage um, that were just, you know, really what an Arabian horse should look like, but yet they were extremely athletic. Um, you know, needless to say, when I went to work there, um, prior to going there, the people that I worked for, which was Royal Oaks Arabians, owned Hey Hallelujah, and... 
they purchased him um, shortly after I went to work there um, and in earlier years had tried to purchase his mother at one of the Lasma sales. Um, his mother, who was a national champion park horse that I rode by the Hallelujah Box. So, you know, everything that I believed in strongly was something that they were doing. Um, and so that's, you know, that's really um, what their breeding program is all about. And um, at the time, presently, you know, all those, all, all three stallions, um, Boscafire, a Temptation and Hey Hallelujah are deceased, um, but we're trying to do a lot of other things out of the box, um, but keep the same thought process process in mind. And I think that's really cool. Um, what are some of the other things, if you don't mind sharing, like the what what what's our next out of the box idea? Well, you know, I think that. The way things have have evolved, um, first of all, I just want to say that the the core family is just an extremely special family. Um, they're um, they're the grandmother, um, uh, the daughter Lisa, and needless to say, the granddaughter Sawyer um, are all three involved, um, and all three needless to say, have a passion for this. Um, and so um, in terms of how it's changed, I guess what I would say to you is um, we're not standing a stallion, but we're still breeding for that special individual that's going to continue to keep the, the Strawberry, Strawberry Bank's heritage alive. And, you know, they're, they're all involved. The granddaughter shows um, the... Barb's daughter Lisa shows. Um, needless to say, Barb has um, shown many national champion driving horses, and so um, it's a it's it's a labor of love for that family. I mean, they they love their horses. Um, they love to treat the people that work for them um, just as good as anybody could possibly be treated, and. Um, the future is bright. It's, you know, they're going to continue to breed. And um, if we're fortunate enough to to have that next great stallion come along, um, then that's that's great, too. Yeah. And I think that with the stunning group of individuals that you do have up there that you're going to be breeding and looking for those outcrosses to, you're going to hit. It's just a matter of time. I there imagine. you go. And also... Um, during the over the last um, five years, we decided that we wanted to find a uh, another younger person to add to the uh, Strawberry Banks team. So three years ago, we found the found that person. His name is Lance Lewis, who is a very young and talented individual that um, has had spent time at the Brass Ring. Um, I believe he, Lance was with Gordon for two or three years as well. He comes from a, a great family who um, themselves um, have been involved in horses their entire life. Um, Lance has just added um, so much to the farm. He's very all around in, in what he does. He does some hunters. He does some show hack. 
very talented with an English horse, and um, he's um, just going to be able to contribute to what we're already doing for years to come. And I've seen him in the arena, and I think he's doing an amazing job with the horses that he's been riding out there, and uh, from a, a lineage of folks who have done a great job of bringing new young talent into the industry. You with, with Lance Gordon has brought in a bunch of folks, um, and I am just really happy to see that young and exciting talent coming up and, and through a program like Strawberry Banks. No question. We we definitely need uh, the young young up-and-comers getting involved um, in order to, to keep this headed into the right direction in the future. I have also always associated Strawberry Banks with work that's outside of the show ring, especially for promoting the the Arabian Horse, right? Strawberry Banks is one of the primary sponsors of the We Love Arabian Horses booth here at Scottsdale, I should mention. Um, but outside of that, there are some other ventures that have been kind of driven by that family. Absolutely. So she's always involved um, in every way possible to help promote the Arabian Horse. Um, she's, needless to say, um, has been a huge supporter of the Horseman's Distress Fund. Both Barb and I are on the board of the AEPA program, the Arabian English Pleasure Association, which is, which has now, don't quote me on this, but I'm going to say it's been 12 to 15 years that it's been, been around now. And so, you know, I think uh, many other programs, um, that she gets involved with um, years ago um, when the Arabian Horse Trust was um, really involved. And I think you're going to have to help me with this, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but that was when we had the yearling sweepstakes. And Neil Kaur, Barb's husband, um, was very involved with that. So needless to say, through the course of time and their years in the Arabian Horse industry, every way and any way that they could be uh, helpful to promote and make things grow, they're always there to do it. And really blazing a trail to define what we ought to go be doing. The AEPA was the, the program that formed the basis of two other huge programs that have sprouted up in the last, I'll say, seven to ten years. Um, the AHPA, the Hunter Pleasure Program, as well as the AWPA, the Western Pleasure Program. And so I don't want to get too deep into it because I think that we're going to have a whole half hour dedicated sure. to the AEPA, yeah. and I think that we need yeah. to. Yeah. But at the end of the day, driving change in a positive way that's bringing more excitement and more people into the industry. The Friday night at Nationals, when they run those AEPA horses after they've gone and done their individual patterns for judging, is one of the most electric and exciting uh, of nights of the show. And the AEPA is the is the program that, that really got the yeah. ball rolling on that. And so, um, from from me, a non-English guy, for sure, I would say that program makes me really excited for the future of the English Pleasure Horse, but it also makes me excited as the prototype for every other kind of thing that we can go and do to drive and make this this industry better. And it really, uh, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure that from many of our listeners, uh, we thank you for your hard work on that, her family for their hard work on that. 
and for continuing to help support. Those programs are not easy to keep running. Absolutely. But outside of that, I think that we've covered a lot today, and I uh, don't want to bogart all of your time because we are still at a horse show, and I'm sure that you've got horses to go back and get ridden. So I want to let you go. But, Brian, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today. My pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks again for listening today, and watch for our upcoming podcasts. We Love Arabian Horses is an ambassador community that promotes Arabian horses with fellow horse lovers globally. If you loved this podcast and would like to hear more like it, make sure to subscribe to We Love Arabian Horses on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share ideas for topics and guests with us, and to learn more about sponsorship opportunities, email us at hello at weloveArabianHorses.com. Thank you again for listening.